0: Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not, so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one.
1: Welcome back, fellow listeners. We are in the new year, which is super awesome. And we're excited for lots of great new things that we're going to be doing on a broadcast for manufacturers. I know yeah. you like and very much enjoy our normal banter, but guess what? This entire episode is going to be banter yes. with myself, Aaron, Chris. It's going to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> We found, um, a very, uh, inspiring enlightening article, um, on the website, get it made. We'll pu- we'll add that link in the show notes. Um, I'm just going to have a little side note that this is well done marketing content for a manufacturing company. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can all learn
2: from <laughs> this
1: yes, yes, right there. Yeah, we got, we got value. A hundred percent. That's what it's all about. Um. Yeah, so the article is titled, Manufacturing Industries that Employ the Most Women, and the data is collected from the Bureau of Labor Statistics to rank the manufacturing industries that employ the most women in the U.S. today. So um, I found it quite fascinating that um, only three out of every 10 employees in manufacturing are women. Um, And then Mm -hmm. when it gets to the higher levels, that number gets lower, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, And the article does a really interesting job of like ranking all the different types of jobs and fields in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Um, And where you see the most women, which is like roughly 50% is in the textiles, apparel and leather manufacturing space. Mm -hmm. So what do do you think about those data points, ladies?
3: Yeah. 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 I, I got to hand it to Chris for uh, bringing this to our attention. She, she's just so she's got her eye on the prize when it comes to women in manufacturing. And so, so thanks for elevating this article for yeah, us you and, bet. You and bet. always keeping um, these issues in mind for us. I just, I. I have a question for you, Chris, and we're sort talking. Of so, the article mm-hmm. makes an interesting breakdown, as Lori discussed, between leadership and lower level employees, noting that numbers really drop. Like Lori said again, at that leadership level, there are just nine out of 100 CEOs are women. That's mm-hmm. it, nine mm-hmm. out of 100 CEOs Ugh. are women. Yeah. I got one more right here. That's Harrington. I just want to say congratulations, Chris. It's awesome. You're the newly appointed CEO of your company, Gin Alpha. And wow. um, I think we all share pride in seeing such an incredible leader um get elevated to that role. So, so that's awesome. Thank you.
2: Very kind well, of you.
3: You're you're I got I got one of you right here in front of me. What do we do to address that that leadership challenge? You know, we're going to be talking about all levels today, but um specifically, what what do you think about um women leaders, CEOs specifically in manufacturing? And how can we have more?
2: Yeah. So how do we get there? And you know, yeah, like what we, how did I get here maybe? You yeah. Know, how do what Yeah. Yeah. Tell us,
3: like, let's say that you're talking to a woman who's at some maybe mid-level leadership right now, and she's got her eye on the prize too. She wants to get there. Um, What kind of advice would you give?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I will say that the first thing that I did is I volunteered for areas within my strengths. And I, you know, a lot of people will focus on their weaknesses and they will think that they need to go work very hard on their weaknesses and they spend a lot of time overcoming them. Right. to a certain degree, of course, we have to be aware of our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And if we have a job that uh, requires us to execute certain functions and we have a weakness, then we have to correct that in order to perform our job. But whenever in my career I had an opportunity to volunteer for things that were challenging. Mm-hmm. I rose my hand when I knew it was to my strength. Yeah. And it That's was like a great point, which gave me new opportunities to be successful. And as leaders saw me be successful in right. those areas, I was given more opportunities that aligned with my strengths. Sure. So This is advice that I share with so many people that I get a chance to mentor um, all along. And I, of course, am always looking for the team member strengths that exist across our organization. We want to give work to those strengths. So that, uh, I think, is something that has really been a part of my success. Now, I have had tremendous leaders above me who uh, I learned from.
0: Mm -hmm. I always
2: like to say you, you take the best and leave the rest. So we all have <laughs> yeah. great leaders right. above us. Right, right. Um, so, so that's really critical. But now, if we want to just get in the space of how do we ensure we have women who can uh, climb and get to those executive levels of an organization, where we saw the lack in this article, is we have to give women opportunities. We have yeah. to be thinking about. The women in the room as well. I, I think it has to it has to come from some intention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to find a way to attract women, and we're going to talk a lot about that this today. But you know, one of the things that I can again uh, speak back to my own experience is that I was given a lot of pro- professional. Uh, and personal coaching throughout yeah. my career in manufacturing. And that was so significant to my personal growth. And, right. and really, I mean, both professionally and personal, yeah. that because I was being invested in and I was giving the opportunity to grow, and I cared enough to grow because there were right. others who got that training too. And, you know, not everybody takes action better. on the things yeah. that they learn. Sure. But when you, When you invest in give your leaders and a newly to come leaders an opportunity, there's a sense of loyalty that happens. Mm -hmm. I became very loyal to the industry of manufacturing because it kept giving me opportunities to learn about myself, uh, opportunities to travel the world, uh, opportunities to try new things. And I think in response to that, as woman, I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to keep pursuing further. So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, that's what I can, you know, just being asked here <laughs> off the cuff. Those are things that I yeah, think are no. really, really critical for me to both be successful, but also to want to stay here uh, and keep rising and keep doing more. Are you familiar well, with the book Strength
1: Finders? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I mean, what you're talking about is that's it's, it's it's exactly that. It's just and the book helps you identify your strengths. But then, um, I I love the philosophy of why try to improve your weaknesses rather make your strengths even stronger and just be the best you can be in the areas you already have some some talent in.
3: Yeah, and I suspect um, I I need perhaps a sociologist to back me up on this, but that that is such a a revelation for women. I think a lot of men would be like, well, duh, yeah, like, I'm super good at this. That's all I'm going to do. What do I got to think about what I'm not good at, poor? Mm-hmm. So this is a, a good piece of advice specifically for this conversation mm-hmm. is as as a woman listener, like, We're pretty obsessive about the things that we're not amazing at. We let that take up a lot of real estate in our brain. Mm -hmm. But to do, you know, read Strength Finder. That's that's an excellent recommendation. Thank you. And think about what Chris is saying about how she was able to shine, she didn't obsess about her shortcomings. She recognizes that they're there and there's an opportunity to work on it, but she really went for it with the things that she knew she was good at. And I think that's such a great observation and message.
2: Yeah. You know, one thing I think that's important to say here though, about my own experience that I think is going to be relevant for the the later conversation and some of the stuff we've pulled out of these articles is that you also... I am married, but without children. And I I know that that has an impact on uh, some of the factors Mm -hmm. that limit us attracting women into the field, right? Mm -hmm. So flexibility, um, daycare, uh, lots of, you know, healthcare, we're going to talk about some of these things. My needs we're more limited than some of the other women. And I would guess if we looked, and this would be a guess, this is a Chris opinion now, right? So if we went and we looked at those nine out of 100, our executive leaders, they're going to be in situations like me, because we had more available capacity to say yes to certain things that other women didn't have the flexibility or yeah. weren't, weren't given flexible options to take. So I, I think it's important for me to say that um, just for others to hear it. And we, we see you, we see mothers out there who want to rise uh, and we yeah. want you to rise as well. So we have to find a way to solve all those problems so that even that oh, is equal opportunity. So I think it's important just to mention that.
3: Yeah. I, th- I think that's a, that's a, that's a sticky situation you know that's a sticky topic and you know it's it's complex for women but i i think that people are is it's been beautiful i'm sorry to take us off on the i you know i have two kids of my own and and recent uh, challenges in my career related to that and i've noticed post pandemic just because you know the media paid attention or people were vocal about it what have you that that like it's not just a a deficit to be a mom, it's a challenge that we can overcome if we set up systems that, you know, recognize that like we do need to procreate like this kind of yeah. a requirement of the species. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a very compassionate of you. And um, I, I think that's part of why, you know, you were able to pursue that success so effectively but we're going to move to where it's, there's more opportunities for people that are taking care of small children, and they still need to be aware of those other two amazing points you made in terms of know your yes. strengths and capitalize on those and really look to good leaders to give you opportunities and to take those opportunities when you can. So, you know, point well taken, but I still think that you're an inspiration.
2: Well, thank you for that. That's
3: very <laughs> Well, so I had another thought about this article. Um, You know, I'm just going to make a confession. My favorite conversations that we've had with guests on this podcast have been with those women leaders at manufacturing organizations. I can Mm -hmm. think of two right now, Sue and Ashley, and there were probably others, but they just really stand out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the reasons that they stand out is the degree to which they just have such love and loyalty and care for the people that work for them. Mm -hmm. And doesn't everybody want to work for a boss like that? Like, isn't that one of the amazing, and I'm not saying every woman does or the men can't, but it's just, you know, small sample of two, something that was really apparent in our conversations with them.
2: Yes. Uh, Yeah. I enjoyed for very similar reasons, for sure. Yeah, you can. And hear, do you hear the that, passion in their voice, for sure, about what mm-hmm. they were doing.
3: Do you think that their employees pick up like notice that? Do you think that becomes part of the culture in the
2: organization? Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think it becomes part of the culture. It's, I also feel that it it's somewhat expected nowadays, in that um, you know people don't want to stick around at companies that have don't have that kind of empathetic leadership mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah and is that more easily accessible to women I mean I'm getting into a little bit of trouble area here but let's sure. just go there <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I mean they, there's definitely women tend to be more um emotional than men are and more caring giving um and have different perspectives on what's happening in people's lives as opposed to just, what are the numbers, you know, at the end of the day? So I I would say why I think it beyond manufacturing, that's a topic that's been addressed. It's not just manufacturing leadership. It's, you know, look at all of the big companies, regardless of what industry they're in. And that's been a major issue. But there's also data that says typically the ones that are led by women actually yeah. have better outcomes, better numbers at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean just like bottom line? bottom line or higher retention. I mean, like all the data points just lean a little bit in a stronger position when the organization is ran
2: by, um, yeah, by the right female. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think too, even, even countries right that have been I was thinking about have that have see, yeah, like, by U.S. Yeah. Uh, excuse me by women and you know went through the COVID response there were fewer yeah. deaths you know relative yeah. to the population in the countries that had women leadership so I think we see some of that there's a there is a sense that there's a co- a care for the whole being that is slightly different Um, And of course, there are going to be extremes on both sides. So I know we're alienating some, but that's just the topic of conversation here, right? That, Mm -hmm. you know, women in general uh, have more care for for the entire human than maybe the care for the numbers or the performance or the productivity, some of those more hard stats and it's not that women care less for those but they just add to those lines i think Mm -hmm. yeah there's a there's a capacity for
3: both and i would argue that's not necessarily biologically determined i mean there's you know it's kind of two sides of the same coin like the assumptions that we can handle it because we're too soft um is you know the other side of the coin of like Bringing care to the workplace and the benefits that that provides. That's, you know, a generalization that has both elevated us and held us back to some extent. And the same can be true for a male leader, meaning, you know, you may feel slightly awkward or uncomfortable with vulnerability. And I know there's been a lot of progress in that area. That vulnerability isn't just about you getting better in touch with yourself, it's about you finding the path towards connecting to your employees in a way that creates that loyalty and that sense of community that i was referencing that i i heard from both ashley and sue in our in our conversations with them
2: yeah well and i think that's why there's been so much research uh and papers written and people uh, you know specifically employees and executives being taught uh empathetic leadership and the whole empathetic piece and how that can drive better results, you know, overall. And, and so I do think there's an, there's an area here that's been explored and is closing this gap so that, you know, all of us can contribute to this type of success and not just be something that we think of more aligned with women versus men. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. This is, it's a learning opportunity
3: for everyone. Well, what we really want to do, I think what would help us, we want to be part of the drumbeat that attracts more women to manufacturing. That's that's motivated all three of us throughout the development of this podcast. And Chris, I heard you a few minutes ago saying that you had you were gonna bring that up with us. Um would now yeah. be a good time. I'd like to hear what <laughs> you know about how we're gonna get that done.
2: Yeah, well, you, you know, it, this ties back to a former episode that we had together where I, I had just learned that um, the, <laughs> the Center for Manufacturing Re- Research and Colonial Life had put together a paper back in November of 2022. Uh, it's called The Manufacturing Experience Closing the Gender Gap, Recruiting and Retaining Women in Manufacturing. Oh. Okay, so, so right on. So we, we just read this great article that showed 29% of the manufacturing workforce today is women, so the remaining 71% is men. And then when I went back and looked at this article, the same numbers match, so obviously okay. they're they're talking about the same things. Um, what's really interesting about the key findings in the paper that was put together uh, by this group I'll kind of list them off to you and then we can just kind of this way our our readers will know what we're, our listeners will know what we're talking about here. But um, the key findings that were that prioritizing a diverse workforce is key to attracting workers, improving productivity and employee retention and growing a company's bottom line. So, um, you know, obviously when we have a more diverse workforce, it, it helps all areas of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, something we know, we've talked about, women represent a sizable talent pool that manufacturers cannot ignore. So mm-hmm. as it stands, women make up more than 29% of the manufacturing workforce. By raising the percentage of women in the manufacturing sector to 35% of total employment in the sector, there would be 800,000 more Female manufacturing employees, and wow. this would be enough to fill almost every open job in the oh, main sector. There you go. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think this is just so great for our listeners to hear. Um, another key finding: companies that have increased worker flexibility have mm-hmm. seen a correlation with mm-hmm. the ability to attract new employees and retain current staff. So, mm-hmm. new policies have included part-time options, adjust adjusted shift schedules and opportunities for remote work. Mm-hmm. Which there's so much talked about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one, both men and women cite lack of key childcare uh, mm. options support to be an issue. Sure. So uh, though a consensus suggests this is a larger issue for women, uh, workforce flexibility mm-hmm. can aid in addressing this challenge, though some companies are exploring subsidized or on-site solutions. Sure. So um and then finally providing job training and continuing education opportunities, developing employee resource groups and establishing mentorship programs also help with retention and recruitment and mm-hmm. certainly my story lines up sure, with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Implementing policies that can help advance and train a diversity of leaders shows a commitment to employee growth, making the company a more attractive place to stay oh. or join. Right. Yep. So um I think and we will definitely link to this uh in the article um or in the in the show notes. But uh I guess just a question for you guys, you know, so you hear all of that. Mm-hmm. What was your sense of what would be needed to increase, you know, the goal here as far as what they're kind of, and we'll talk a little bit about the goal, but they want to get up to 35% women in the workforce Mm -hmm. as an initial step, which is pretty significant growth would Mm -hmm. close all those gaps in, in job openings, but how, how do you think we would get there. I'll start with you, Lori. I was gonna say I have so many opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Them. Are
1: you Let's ready? Talk. Let's go. Let's, talk. Let's do this. So you know when what one thing I've learned over the years, in you know when I went to school for business, like HR was one segment, marketing was another, and they were all kind of siloed. But at the end of the day, HR and marketing are very, very much alike because you're attracting a certain type sure. of individual. And okay. you're trying to get them to take action on yep. something. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's marketing, that's HR. So, mm-hmm. um, and we've, um, actually, I would say within the last probably two years, a lot of the marketing programs that we're doing, a percentage of the bud- budget is being used to attract new, um, employees a new talent. Okay. And oh, some of okay. the things that I'm finding, um, I see that are misses, so this is more at the company level, but I also have kind of bigger picture stuff to to bring to the table too, um, is uh, businesses are not doing a good job in just their website and social and digital presence, even showing any sort of diversity in their culture at all. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. they only focus on what they do from like, this is who we do business for. They don't talk about the experience of working at their organization, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, Chris, you talked about like, the mentorship programs or having a career path and letting people know if you get in the door, um, you know, on at, at this level, that within 12 months we can move you to this level. And this is the learning opportunities and, and really sharing what that experience is going to be like working within an organization to try to attract the type of talent that you want. But any visuals that you have in your digital presence should really showcase that. You are diverse. You don't want just the the white male in all of your photos on your website, on your social channels, because that's going to push people away. You want to people that, especially women, want to see that they're not going to be the only female within an organization. <laughs> um, the other side of, of marketing is like, once you understand who that ideal customer is, or who is that kind of targeted talent that you're trying to attract, where are they hanging out? Where are they getting their information? I mean, are there there their mom groups? If we're trying to get more of these moms Mm -hmm. that maybe, and maybe there's, you have to look at some flexibility. Maybe we can't get someone in 40 hours a week, but can we get two moms at, you know, 20 hours a week that would suffice and make a full-time role because they do have to, you know, worry about childcare and whatnot. So it's just really being open to flexibility when it comes to, um, uh, get attracting that right audience, yeah. but understanding where they are hanging out. Don't just do the same old, you know, put the post the job on your website, hire a recruiter who's dipping in the same talent pool over and over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> step outside that comfort zone, step outside that box and, and say where, if we want more women to be, or a more diverse workforce, let's figure out where these people are hanging out and go have a conversation with them. Let them know that this is our mission and there's opportunities for growth and mentorship and I, you know, just, it's an amazing opportunity. So that's my, my little marketing um, soapbox.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You are an expert. (laughs) Yeah. I think what I'm hearing from you is that HR needs a marketing plan. A hundred percent
1: there. I feel that they're stuck in their old ways. This is how we've always done it mentality, oh, and my. it is
2: not working. Mm. Well, all of our manufacturers listening out there, get mm-hmm. your HR team on a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. In, integrate yourselves with key marketing people like Lori Hybe and all the resources that they provide because this is important stuff. You want to attract the next generation worker, which includes females. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to do the things that Lori just mm-hmm. mentioned. And it's a lesson for all of us. You know, I look around my organization and I know we have to continue to keep working on a diversity yep. as well. So this is something we'll need to just continue working on. But I think that's such great advice. What were you yeah. going to say, Erin? Mm-hmm. Oh,
3: I, I, I love... The practical like tips and tricks. I just I think that's that's um what our listeners are here for. I tend to come still from the more the research side of things. So as I was reading the first article that we were discussing, I it, it, it picked my. I remembered I had read something about um this gentleman, Roland Fryer. He's a Harvard economist, and he did research on bias that sheds some light on the disparities and it's interesting because he unpacks the assumptions and looks at, at the actual data behind disparities, um, both racial and gender. Um, but this study in particular was that it, it, he was able to identify, so there was a hospital. and the leadership, we realized that there's a 33% difference. men, at our, in our hospital facilities make 33% more than women. We don't know what we're doing. We're th- We're going to do some trainings. You know, we got to look at, we got to talk to HR. And he said, slow down. Let's take a look at the numbers, and what he revealed. And I, it was I was so pleased to um, hear some of the points that you made, Chris, about flexibility. Because what he discovered was not that the hospital itself was fundamentally misogynistic or sexist; it's that the scheduling, as it was set up made it much easier for men who didn't have childcare responsibilities Mm -hmm. to gain those extra hours to get that, that the more Mm -hmm. experience and that what the hospital needed to do was to look at how they structured their hours and their scheduling to create those opportunities for women. So I think the takeaway there is that, you know, we tend to like kind of we bad mouth companies when we see these numbers and we just kind of look for a boogeyman sometimes. (laughs) And that boogeyman might not be there. I mean, they're not, they're out there, but it's actually just like, it's a broader problem that we all have and how we frame the way things work. And I think especially to Lori's point, like that's the way we've always done. It keeps you in this box. And even Mm -hmm. though, you know, you're not executing on bias you are not allowing a different scenario to play out because you're in your box. Um, so I thought I thought that was really that was really great insight that he had.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like knowing knowing your customer, which is the or yeah. the the target sure. employee. Right. So pick their brains, and if you're trying to attract that diverse or more um, employ more women. Understand them. Get inside their heads. Ask them what type of work schedule would work better for you. Instead of just
2: making the assumption and saying these are your options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that example that you—they went deeper, right? What was really causing the disparity? And it turns out it's not just the dollars for dollars thing, and that that is a great lesson for everybody as well to step into that and uh work you know work through those numbers and see where your opportunities might be. So I love that um did you want me to dive into some more of just some of the basic findings so that our audience can yeah, let's do a,
3: a quick rundown before we wrap up just so that people have those takeaways.
2: Yeah so um so so here is, the biggest labor force challenges heard from both male and female employees so i think just for anybody listening that doesn't get a chance to read this hear some of the the big things so lack lack of flexibility we talked a lot about that but what are they talking about they're talking about job sharing split shifts and telecommuting so think about those things lack of childcare support lack of female role models that's something we haven't talked about Mm-hmm. But certainly a critical one, if you've got some female leaders in your organization, how are you giving them the space and the capacity to help lead other females? Um, minimal opportunities for advancement. Uh, that's always challenging in companies if there isn't an opening to go vertical, but people still want those vertical opportunities. Are there, a way, are there ways to move people horizontally to give them new experiences yeah. and things? Um, insufficient insufficient compensation so of course men and women uh, zero or minimal maternity family leave something to think about lack of on-site maternal accommodations, A lack of elder care support uh, oh. that's you know an interesting one. And then workplace harassment and safety concerns yeah. those I think sometimes, Those are perceived challenges that in our mind we might talk about at higher levels, but really they were at the bottom. They were even lower than other. So just as not that those aren't important and things that we need to overcome, right? Any workforce harassment or uh, safety concerns, we certainly want to address those. But those being raised by men and women are are very low compared to all of the other. Um, Just some things that when interviewing or communicating with female candidates for an open position, what are the motivating factors they value most when applying for uh, or considering a job at a company, specifically a manufacturing company? Location was number one by female.
3: Interesting, yeah.
2: Compensation, number two. Job description, number three. Benefits, four and clear path forward for advancements raises bonuses was number five. So those are some things on top of mind for women. Um, When communicating with female candidates for an open position, what are specific benefits they value the most? Uh, Healthcare, number one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Paid time off, number two. Flexible remote offerings, number three. So for those that are wondering if that's still an important criteria for hi- hiring and finding people, it certainly seems that <laughs> yes is the answer. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: um, training professional development opportunities, paid maternity, paid family leave and retirement benefits that kind of what round that out. And then uh, rank the specific policies related to workforce flexibi- flexibility that female employees cite as priorities when applying for or considering a job at your company. Number one was telecommuting. Hmm. Number Two, one. Hybrid work. Mm-hmm. Three part-time options, four split yeah. shifts, and yeah. five job sharing.
3: Yeah, so, listen to that. Listen to that. sounds yeah. so much like what we've been talking about in just terms of like, it's the whole plate of responsibilities. I, I just want to take a quick second to say, you know, moms have the most obvious set of responsibilities. But if you're thinking about some of the stereotypes, which I believe in them that we were talking about earlier, and women in their community of care is large. Mm-hmm. We yes. have a lot of things that we as people care about and are responsible for. Yes. So that flexibility allows us to fill that big, pie that we've set up for ourselves and get it all done so it's it's not just about moms it's about the degree to which we contribute to our families and our communities and a company that recognizes that is a great member of their own community so i, I thank you for for sharing all of those um with us and i i really hope our listeners recognize this as the sort of um Disruptive, paradigm-shifting information that it is to get us all to a thriving economy where um, both men and women can can benefit from a more modernized workplace. Let's just get to it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think you know maybe just to round out this particular article, they did talk about how the Manufacturing Institute is trying to raise the female workforce to 35%. They have that as a goal by 2030. So if manufacturing organizations want some of the resources that they're offering in their mission to help companies get there, they should check out the Women Make America initiative at the Manufacturing Institute. We'll include it in the show notes as well. For
1: for sure. You know, one thing I want to talk about, um, we're talking very much... At like the company level, like these are things that companies can do, but I I'm part of a program called the Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small business program. I don't know if either
2: of you ladies have
1: heard of it before from um, you
2: because it's so cool. So
1: there's a big, um, initiative, uh, you know, an advocacy initiative to support small businesses. And two of the things that, um, I went to Capitol Hill to (laughs) not totally my thing, but I did it anyways. It was a fascinating experience, totally different conversation. But um two initiatives that I think are are something that people, businesses can try to get in front of their Congress um, people to advocate for um, addressing the workforce and competitive uh competitive competitiveness challenges. Goodness, especially related to hiring and retention, um, This is these are two things that um, the 10,000 Small Business Program that we were advocating and speaking to our Congress people about. So that one is helping small businesses to offer benefits like re- retirement plans and paid leave and renew some tax credits focused on the rehiring and retention opportunities. The other one, I think this is so important. And again, to your point, Erin, about like, let's boost the economy here and let's get um, people at the top. Um, involved is to get the government involved in increasing access to affordable quality child care. Let's help mm. small businesses yes. jointly provide child care, centralize the information and resources that are yes. um, re- available yes. and improve any sort of funding and tax credits for that. I think it's, it's not just the company by company. It's looking at the big picture as a whole here.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah.
3: Key to a vibrant economy
2: is having a workforce. How about that? <laughs> People. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And, you know, something I talked about earlier, and again, one of the shows, there is the Women in Manufacturing um, group. I think all companies should get their women involved in this. It's Mm -hmm. so motivational. It's not only for women, there are men allies, uh, male allies as well, that are, of course, invited for everything that WIM does. The annual summit is in September of this year. You know, I think we should have links to that in the show notes as well. There there are opportunities here. Let's make sure we're utilizing everything. So love the Goldman Sachs one as well. Yeah, for sure. Love
1: it. Wow. This was a super fun long banter conversation <laughs> if you were waiting for our guests to come on <laughs> sorry no time <laughs> all right I think that wraps it up I'm just gonna give a nice little shout out to all the mag- manufacturers out there we want you to go make some cool shit yeah yeah <laughs>
0: this wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcast.com.